0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Who is Grace weekly podcast. My name's John, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace uh, and we're excited to have you joining us. We're in a series right now called Better Together and we're looking at the power of the church gathered. We're gonna look at some key moments in our recent history as a church and then land on a theme that we can talk about with wider application. It will give you some insight into why we are the way we are here at Grace as well as gathering some very practical, personal biblical application uh, for your life. We'd love for you to share this podcast with others and to like and subscribe so you get notifications for every episode each week. Today, Pastor Sarah will be talking to Pastor Derek about volunteer empowerment. Let's go to their conversation. Hello everyone, and welcome back to our Who is Grace Weekly podcast. I am not John, I am Sarah, and I'm here with Pastor Derek, and we're excited to welcome all of you. We are talking today about the idea of shared leadership, a little bit about the history of that, and also some larger principles that we can take away individually. Is that right?
1: That's right happy to be here awesome happy to have you here sarah yeah this is a yeah, this is a different yeah. different seat for me to your, sit your, in your voice is different than john's <laughs> that's
0: probably a good thing it's it is a good thing <laughs> <laughs> well hey can we start off with just uh like yeah. get to know you kind of question
1: yeah yeah
0: okay so I mean, you've lived around here for a long time right I have what do you love about living in erie
1: you know, it's kind of funny. I grew up, I actually grew up in Corey, which is about, you know, 45 minutes from here, uh, from Erie. And so to me growing up, Erie was always the big city, you know, so we would uh, come up for special occasions and right. come up to the mall. The trip yes. to the mall was like a big yes. thing, you know. And <laughs> so, you know, in, in some ways from my childhood anyway, like I've made it to the big city to... to- to live in Erie um but to, you know just in terms of what I love I mean the seasons are fantastic so you know that you know the old joke is that you know there are only two seasons in the Erie winter and the fourth of July yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 better than that that that's the na- that's the glass half empty version um but definitely love the seasons especially a few years ago when we uh, really made the commitment to embrace the winter mm-hmm. um, and do fun winter things as well as fun summer things because everyone knows Erie's great in the summer. Yeah, um, but uh, that winter can get long, and uh, I think it actually backfired on us. Uh, a couple of our children, at least, prefer the winter to the summer. Oh so wow! It's like nah. I think we pu- I think we pushed this a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the changing seasons. Like everyone is very special in its own way, you know, and. Uh, to get, I feel like we get the full brunt of all of them. Yes, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of cool and and unique, you know, about Erie. Yeah, and sunsets.
0: Mm. Sunsets
1: are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm a sucker for sunsets. I'm a sucker for good cloud formations.
0: Oh, are you a romantic so. at heart, or it's just a nature thing?
1: Sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a nature and. It, I'm okay, you know, okay, but no, it's it's more just about that. Like, I love to take pictures of it, and Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. But yes, Kim and I do definitely enjoy some sunsets in Erie. So, what about you? You're you're a more recent transplant to Erie, correct? You didn't grow up around here.
0: Yeah, well, uh, only about an hour south, so not. Okay. I mean, just a little further than it would have been for you growing up, I guess. So it's a so big city it, as it well. was. Yes, it was definitely... We knew Peach Street right, and Presque Isle, maybe a uh. little bit, but yeah, not even that so much. So I totally agree with you that the seasons are incredible. Um, I don't know that I love winter better, but it's pretty close for me Really, so fall. And you
1: summer. guys are snowmobilers, right?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in a snowmobiling family. So I was going to say that Erie's proximity to so many mm. different things is one of the things I love. So... It's proximity to great snowmobile trails and, of course, Presque Isle and the lake is right there. But we've got three cities in a very drivable distance if you're looking for that. And we go camping all the time and all of that is real close by and woods and hiking and all the kinds of things that I love. But, yeah, yeah. the only thing we don't have is Trader Joe's. So that would oh, be the only reason right, that I big would. big deficit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's
1: funny, you know, so we, because since we've been online for the, for, you know, and our reach has grown a little bit over this last year. So we've had people contacting us from other parts of the country, and we've actually had—I've actually had a few people contact me and say, "Hey, we're coming to Erie because we want to see Grace Church." Wow! And coming from other parts. and so like I have to be careful because I like go overboard with Erie <laughs> stuff. I'm like, you have to go here and you have to see this and you have to do that. And uh, but one of the things, uh, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking really it's a great—and maybe we're putting out a commercial here for people yeah, right. To move to Erie. <laughs> But it's like a a big city and a small city. So it has Mm -hmm. like some of the best of both of those things. So, you know, we have a great Philharmonic and we have, you know, there's some like big city kind of things, a zoo and, you know, some of those things, Uh, even a little uh, theme park there at Waldemere. Uh, water parks, indoor water. So it's like you get some city things, mm-hmm. but it's also like a really great place to raise a family. and Yeah. You know, it has and a you small can, town vibe. To
0: yeah, it. you can get to the other side in 30 right. minutes. Right, not.
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, traffic is great. Wow. You know, <laughs> well. you know.
0: yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> Peach Street, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, what are we talking awesome. about?
0: Oh yeah, what are we talking about? Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> I think shared leadership is oh, shared our leadership. topic for today. And before we uh, like jump into the history of grace and stuff, I'd love to ask you. I hear there's a rumor that there might be a book coming out.
1: Yeah, it's happening, and it's yeah. about this subject. So, ah, um, which is which is really cool. Yeah, I have a book coming out in July, and um, it was funny. We just put out on social media this week that there, there's an ebook that you know, I wrote, and we worked, you and yeah. I worked on together a little bit, and um, so I think some people thought that was the book, Oh, but uh, it's not. There's, there's that one's a, good,
0: too, but... Right, there's an
1: actual book uh, coming out. Yeah, it's called Untapped Church, and uh, I'm sharing a little bit of Grace's story, um, mm-hmm. but specifically about this subject where... So, so the word untapped, the dictionary definition, means available but not used. And so the whole idea of the book is this this idea that I, I really believe that the greatest untapped resource in the Church is uh, what we call high-capacity volunteers yeah. who, who would serve on staff, and uh, you are one of these, <laughs> by the way, at Grace, along with a whole host of others, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about it as well, but but you guys really have been the inspiration uh, for this book, because we've kind of built a culture here that that allows people not not kind of just to volunteer, but to, to volunteer all the way up through the ranks and to hold, you know, positions of leadership, positions of authority, uh, you know, of the highest level here at the church. And so... Yeah, it's crazy, um, kind of. Yeah, it is a little...
0: You're it, a little bit nuts. It, but. <laughs> it is a
1: little nuts, but it's good. And so, you know, I had, I had uh, some pastors contacting me from around the place asking for advice and you know how, what how have we done this what what does it look like how do you build it and and enough of them started saying mm-hmm. you need to write a book about this because um, there's inquiries all over and so yeah
0: so you did I did got a little bit of peer pressure didn't peer pressure publishing a book
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's just a small thing it's yeah I gave thing. in
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, that's incredible really excited I've had some sneak. I know you I had have. a sneak preview. Yes, and gotten to so, read it. it so really you're great.
1: helping to uh, you're helping to come up with some discussion questions and team exercises and all that kind of yeah. stuff for each chapter, which I appreciate.
0: Yeah. Well, and it yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. It's fun to think through. It's fun to fun to hear you write. I know that's a strange phrase, but we hear you speak all the right. time, so it's neat to hear you write. Yeah. So,
1: well, and Johnny's sitting here with us, uh, mm-hmm. recording this podcast, and he was. Uh, he was gracious enough to do the audio version of the book, and so all of that is kind of coming out in in July, and it's been kind of a wild process. It, you know, it's kind of one of those new things. Yeah. I turned 50 this year, and I was <laughs> like, I'm going to try some new things. You know, i posted a book. I went fly fishing for the first time. You know, it's <laughs> like, all right, I'm just going to get out of my little routine here and try some different stuff.
0: Checking some stuff off the list. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's exciting. All right, well, then take us back because— yeah. uh, I mean, you mentioned the title of the book is Untapped. You talked about pastors, you know, reaching out to you. But, like, when when did kind of all of this culture shift or this culture start to be built? Like, what started all of that? What was the?
1: Yeah, so there there was kind of a convergence of a couple of things. Um, one, you know, it, it really kind of started when I was the youth pastor. Like, so for me, I got to see the potential of it when I was a youth pastor, and— um, you know, gave away absurd amounts of ministry to people, to young kids who probably did not, uh, you know, deserve to have that much authority, if oh, you I'm will. I'm sure they didn't. No, yeah, they, you, you're, you're positively right. But um, so, yeah, it really started then. I'm just saying, you know, I I kind of came from the mindset of, you know, no nobody can, I can't reach these kids' friends. They know how to reach their friends. And so... I need to give them more and more of the ministry, um, because the more they own it, the more they will invite people to it. Yeah, and and want other people to be a part of it, and uh, they they don't want to invite their friends to something that this old dude is, is coming up with. <laughs> I don't you think know. you were. I, I you were fifty yeah, back I mean, then. I mean, I was twenty two, but <laughs> it, yeah, I was old to them, and um, you know, so so that's really where it started, and to to really see uh and, and it kind of experience the other side of like calling out the potential in someone mm-hmm. or seeing something in them that they didn't see in themselves mm-hmm. and then giving them space to explore that and giving them then some authority to to lead through that was a was a really um was a really important part of the process for me. Um and and so Grace was going through some stuff at that time. So when I was when I I first came here in 1995, uh, so 26 years ago, wow. which still seems bizarre. Um, but part of that kind of youth movement was happening. So students were were taking ownership of the youth ministry and uh, inviting their friends and all kind of friends were coming that. You know, the church wasn't used to coming <laughs> uh, back then. It was, you know, 90s, so crazy colored hair, yeah. stuff was pierced that should have never been pierced. <laughs> you know, people are smoking stuff that nobody was quite sure what was going on yeah. out in the parking lot and, you know, all the things. And so the church was going through kind of a little bit of a of a growth spurt there. And at about the same time, we started doing contemporary worship services, which mm-hmm. had a whole kind of deal of its own. Um and And really, at that same time, we also began to make the decision to to remove some of the committees mm-hmm. so Grace was a good old Baptist Church, right and so we had uh, lots of committees there was committees for everything com- the worship committee and education committee missions committee and the the committee that kind of drove all the committees uh, was was uh, one that that kind of recruited people to be on the committees okay all right and uh, so the problem with that committee structure, and I think there's, you know, obviously there's lots of pastors that that would be nodding their heads in a knowing, yeah. understanding <laughs> moment here, because a lot of churches are still operating that way with like I say, a heavy committee structure. The problem with it is that um, it it kind of locks you in, so so it makes the process hard on the front end, yeah. for, for people to get into leadership, right, and then it locks you in for a certain amount of time, so a year term or a two-year term or a three-year term, and then people have to serve out their terms, and then you can kind of have turnover in those committees. And so when we started getting rid of committees um, and started moving to to more of a team-based leadership approach, it was really the open door uh, for people with gifts to use their gifts Hmm. quickly. And without the rigmarole, without having to go through the voting process and come before the congregation and all that, again, there's risk in that. Like if somebody's used to that system, there's risk in that. Um, But you know, I've 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 often said, you know, Jesus recruited his disciples and sent them out pretty quick. Um, (laughs) You know, there there wasn't like a whole huge (laughs) process where they had to get voted into something. It was. He entrusted them quickly mm-hmm. with ministry. And so um, anyway, I think that I think that was a big deal. That was a big move for us. And again, it caused a lot of wobble. I ta- We talked in the podcast last week about some of that conflict, and some yeah. of the conflict was around this time uh, because that was a lot of change all at once. You know, big influx of students, um, the, the contemporary worship thing, the dismantling of the committee thing. You know, there, there was a lot going on at that time. Yes. Um but, but as I look back, that really paved the way for um, the volunteer culture to kind of take root. Um, and I think, you know, there, there, was, there were a couple other moments that were critical along that time. You know, I think every church comes to the point where, where the leaders recognize that there's more ministry than there are people. To, there's more ministry to do than there are people to do it.
0: And if they haven't had that moment, now's the moment. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just put words to it for you—that <laughs> thing you've been feeling inside. Um, so, you know, there there is that kind of thing that exists in you. Is like, oh man, I think God's calling us to do this and that and this, but we don't. We just don't have the staff yeah. to, to pull it off. And I think that's a place where a lot of a lot of churches get stuck. Is just going, Oof, well. We'll wait until mm. we have the staff or until we, we have the money to hire that staff person that'll do that ministry that we want to do. And, um, you know, I think we tried to press through that moment and go, no, no, what if there's another solution to this? Like, what if there are people that have capacity to do these things that we actually don't pay, <laughs> that, that, that might just do it because they're called by God to do it? And um you know, so that was a light bulb moment. And then there, there's one other moment that I'll that I'll uh, that I'll talk about is just uh, it was actually in 2011. Um, we were at a staff retreat. Uh, I remember standing up at the whiteboard, and we were going through a SWOT analysis, which you know what that is if you've been around here. But it just you know strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, make these big lists on the board, and um, we had the board filled out. And there was some, I think everybody in the room was just feeling this like, ah, it doesn't feel like we captured exactly where we are. And one of the younger staff people, again, I don't even remember who it was, um, said, what 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 about our people? Mm. Where do our people fit on this? Mm -hmm. And it was like this click, I think for all of us going, of course, like... And I remember squeezing the word "our people" in under the <laughs> S of SWAT because <laughs> the board was full, and and writing in there and going that our people are our greatest strength, hmm. and um, it was that like mindset shift I think that opened up some doors for us to go. Okay, wait, if our if the people of our church like more than the. Preaching more than the music, more than the kids ministry. Like, although we want all of those things to be great, maybe that isn't our greatest. Maybe our greatest asset is actually the people who are sitting in in the seats who have yet to be unleashed into what God wants them to do. Um, And I think every church has like great people, you know, Uh, many of whom sit in the seats, yeah, and and haven't really been. Kind of invited or given that platform to go, man. Let's see, let's see what you could do. If God, like, if you, if God wanted to get a hold of you, what mm. what could you pull off? And um, so, I don't know. Th- that was some of the the trajectory of this idea of, uh, of of sharing leadership. Yeah. And you know, up to that point, it had been you know we'd been a kind of a staff heavy, committee heavy, mm-hmm. obviously, church, and just going. I think we're better if we if we give leadership away.
0: Yeah. So what what can be kind of like the pushback or the barrier to that, both from like a staff mindset and just a layperson mindset of like, wait, why are you doing this?
1: Yeah, I, I think that from a staff mindset, um, one of the key moments was, you know, because <laughs> we the decision then became, okay, well, let's figure out what what does God want us to do that we're not yet doing as a church, and then who are some high-capacity people in our congregation mm-hmm. that could help us do that? And then we just kind of matched those two lists together, and when, when we kind of came up with those first list of names and then came to our, our existing paid staff and said, hey, we want to expand our staff to include these people but it's probably going to be mean some inconvenience for you. Mm, in other words, yeah. we can't have staff meetings during the day because many of these people work, and so we're going to have to move our staff meetings to the meetings. And in fact, a lot of our meetings are going to have to happen in the evenings because of uh, this shift. And so it was a bit of a sacrifice for our paid staff who are used to having, yeah. you know, one p.m. on Tuesday staff meetings or whatever, right. and now it's all of a sudden five thirty to seven thirty p.m.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and it's one more evening. Mm-hmm. But the payoff of going, but look at what, look how much ministry we could accomplish <laughs> if we included right. these folks. So that was some of the initial um, struggle, I think, and pushback for our staff. I think for the people that that we invited into those roles, um, you know, one of the one of the things is just basically, am I am I allowed to do yes. this?
0: Oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I've asked <laughs> you- that question on more than one occasion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you resonate with that? Yes. It's just like wait. What? You I I can do what? <laughs> yep. Um so I think that was that was some of the hesitation uh on the on the uh volunteer side of things. But you know, we've had you're. I mean again, again I said you're one of these people, but you know, we've had people that there was one point where McCain our biggest site at the time, which was like 900 or 1000 people that were attending here. I walked into a staff meeting one evening Mm -hmm. of the Grace McCain staff. At that point, we had Jim, who was a volunteer site pastor, Okay, so he was (laughs) leading this site. And there was a staff meeting that had 20 or 25 people in there, and there was one part-time paid person in that room. And I thought, the whole staff of the (laughs) team that was leading our biggest congregation was all volunteers. And you know, it was kind of at that moment I'm like this. I think this can work, or you're a lunatic, <laughs> or, or, yeah, <laughs> or we're absolutely crazy,
0: yeah. Ah, that's yeah. awesome. But I want
1: you to talk. I want you to talk a little bit about your experience with this. Oh, let me just let me just wrap up that little section yeah. by saying, and and really now just to kind of paint a picture for people about, and again, COVID is mm. makes the numbers all goofy, but about uh, two thirds of our staff right now that come to our full staff meetings are volunteers staff and one third of our staff is paid staff. And so right now our volunteer staff outnumber our paid staff two to one essentially. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of, if people aren't familiar with this concept, just to give people a picture, that's, that's kind of how it works out for us. But you've experienced it personally. Yeah. So talk about like, um, talk about, uh, when you stepped into the high capacity volunteer role that you stepped into?
0: Yeah. So I think for me, I've benefited from this process that you've been going through for the last couple of decades because you mentioned yeah. in 2011 you guys having that meeting. And it was about that time that I was, I had been leading a life group for a th- few years at that point. I had started helping teach a couple. Sunday school classes. So I was like right there in that magic moment when you guys were probably brainstorming those lists of names and I was I was doing a few things. So um, I don't want to use the word sneaky, but it felt a little sneaky <laughs> just in the sense of it was a lot of the um, people whom I was working with in, in the life group in the Sunday school realm looking at me and saying, I see in you, and if we use that phraseology a lot around here but I see in you x or y or z Mm -hmm. um do you want to go ahead and step into that do you want to and it was just like these little step up step up yeah I'll try that step up step up (laughs) until one day I don't know I turned around and there I was like leading what was called the equip ministry at the time um like had been invited to a staff retreat and was kind of like I am I Am I sure I was supposed to be? <laughs> I did the exact. <laughs> Am I allowed in this room? Yeah, 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 um, and just yeah. So leading the ministry that was putting together classes and those kinds of things, and yeah, and then w- one day I was helping lead. We had just re redone our membership core class, shrunk it from sixteen weeks to eight. We walked our first group of people through it. It was we were wrapping up the end of it. Um, we were at. Jim Scarpetti's house, because he's the volunteer site pastor, and I was the volunteer lead of this class, and we were washing dishes or something, and you said, hey, I want you to preach a sermon. And I was like, I don't even know. (laughs) I went home, and I was like, Nate, (laughs) to my husband, Uh like, what is happening? And so I use the word sneaky just because it was kind of a slow—I wasn't aiming for something as much as people just continued to— fan into flame. Hmm, I guess that's what Paul did for Ti- Timothy, right? right? Just yeah. fanned into flame things that they saw, the gifts that they saw. So yeah, I am absolutely a product of that mindset because had it not been for that, I wouldn't have pursued it on yeah. my own. I wouldn't have pursued being in ministry or working at a church on my own.
1: Yeah. And you're, I mean, so you are one of our volunteer staff. I think it was mm-hmm. interesting. So last year... Last, uh, you know, last fall, uh, we made you a pastor.
0: Yes. Crazy town. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So (laughs) you're a licensed pastor at Grace Mm -hmm. now. You're on the, the preaching team. Um, you're leading lots of our, you know, curriculum, teaching, lots of those ministries. And, um... But you, so one of the questions that I got asked is, you know, what are how, how much are we paying Sarah? When are we paying? Mean, like, no, she's a volunteer staff, and yes, you are a pastor at our church, uh, along with a number of others, mm-hmm. but but are continuing to be uh, in a volunteer yeah. role, which is really amazing. So, what's energizing about your role?
0: Oh my goodness! Right now, what I am currently doing, yeah. I just feel like. I feel like I have learned and grown a ton in all the different roles that I have held over the last, however long it's been, 14, 13, 14 years. I feel like right now I am like in my sweet spot in terms of I feel very gifted to create content, present content. I feel called to, um, I feel called to making the word of God accessible to people in all kinds of ways and so you guys have graciously invited me into that more and more and I just feel I'm so feeling like it's a lot of work it takes a lot of hours and effort and
1: how many hours a week do would you estimate do you work
0: <clears throat> well it's been kind of hard through COVID right with kids yeah. home from school and like the efficiency factor is down right now <laughs> um, but I would say probably a solid 20 yeah right now Yeah, but it's it's an it's a it's a bucket filling twenty.
1: Yeah, and you're you're incredible at what you do. Um, Get really practical. Hmm. What what kind of things happen around here that make you feel like you're a part of our staff? Because I think what a lot of people struggle with, a lot of places that have tried this struggle with is there's there still seems to be like a two tiered
0: us them. (laughs) uh,
1: Yeah, us that you know that you're the paid person and you're just a volunteer. Like we had to eliminate that language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so what are what are some practical things that have made you feel like part of our staff and not just a volunteer? Yeah, you
0: know? that's good. Well, I mentioned earlier like being invited to a staff retreat early yeah. on. So th- something like that was very much like, oh, whoa. Um so staff meetings uh when we have done retreats in the past those kinds of things are just very much like, hey, yeah, absolutely. This is your role. This is where you belong. Um I I feel it in terms of like like I'm part of uh like how people get paid and request vacation time. Like my name is in there because I need to request vacation time. So there's like simultaneously, you guys are extremely respectful of the fact that I am a volunteer and yet also held to the uh, high standard, uh, just as any other staff person of, Hey, we need to know you're going to get your stuff done. We need to know when you're going to be gone. <laughs> like don't just disappear on us. Yes. <laughs> Sneak out the back door <laughs> or something. Um. And so I think in both of those things, uh, I feel like um, you guys do a good job of hitting both of those targets really well. I feel like the expectation is high for me and I also feel very respected yeah. um, as a volunteer so That's yeah cool. it's very rare anymore that I have a sense of like oh wait am I is this for me um no I yeah I, I like I get an office space I have yeah. a laptop workstation <laughs> yeah. yeah like like what yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's so, great. That's yeah, good. as I th- as I talk about that, I'm like, oh, I should go thank some people. <laughs> Maybe you. To no, start <laughs> I feel like
1: I need to thank you again because you're amazing. Uh-huh. So thanks. So hey, I want to let's let's talk about one of the things that we've been doing through these podcasts is um, really taking those the little historical thing and the topic at hand and going, how does this apply uh, to people? So as I this yeah. this was the trickiest of all mm-hmm. for me to think about that. But I think one of the ways that that this makes sense in, in, in terms of just an applicable principle and the idea of shared leadership is going, you know, and especially even in this Better Together series, there's value in sharing leadership when it comes to my life. Yeah. You know, and our life. And I know you have been part of like the Life Group Ministries and you have... Your collection of of ladies that have been part mm-hmm. of your story along the way, and you know, part of that is not only are we leading others, but we're giving away leadership of our own yeah. of our own lives. And you know, I heard Jim Collins talk one time about um, that. He used this phrase: "the pers- a personal board of directors." That everybody should have a personal board of directors, and so just like a company or a corporation or a church, you know, has a board you Know his challenge was what if you did that personally, and that that has always captivated my imagination. Um, and I know there's actually an organization that your husband Nate is part of, it was, or at least was, uh, it was called the Open Table, mm-hmm. who had almost a similar concept. They, they would make available to people who were struggling, or homeless, or uh, in poverty, or whatever that that they were to bring some people around that person that yeah. they would choose yeah. and say like I need a financial person, I need mm-hmm. a lawyer, I need like and just like an advisor to that person to help them move forward yeah. with their life and and so, you know, it's just such a powerful concept and I think that um you know, it's like when we value something enough, you know, if you're if you're doing a, a pro, you know, if you're just doing an everyday project at work, that's one thing, but like if you're doing a special project you want to get eyeballs on that thing, right? That are out, outside, uh, outside eyeballs. And so I think about well, where does my life fall into that? Yes. Where does my character fall into yeah. that? And if my character is important to me, um, I want some eyeballs on it, mm-hmm. and, and I want to give some, uh, permission for people to speak into it and for there to be some shared leadership. And so, you know, I, I would just ask the people who are who are listening to this podcast, like, you know, do you have shared leadership in your life? Do you have some trusted guides? Uh, who will speak into your life and who will guide you toward christ um and and obviously we're both passionate about this idea that a starting place is a life group yes right so it's like just that that's just like a a basic you know make sure that puzzle piece is in place Mm -hmm. first and that um and and that you know you have people around you that are speaking into you but um (laughs) after that you know, I, I think there's value and I've I've even seen in my own life over the years of just thinking about are there different people who could fill different roles for me? And it may even be at different times. And so, you know, I did some brainstorming of thinking of some potential roles that people could have uh, others in their life for. So like the role of a mentor, you know, so this is somebody that you look up to that demonstrates a life of wisdom and character, and you know, I think a mentor is a good role. But there's also like a sponsor and so you know, I know I have a few friends who are in the business world or whatever. And so it's like they have somebody who's kind of in their field, who's maybe a few steps ahead of them, um, who has influence yeah, even to open doors for them mm-hmm. or to introduce them to the right people or whatever. It's kind of like a sponsor. Mm-hmm. You know, that person is lending you their influence
0: yeah,
1: and is for you, wants the best for you. But, um, you know, so I think that's that's a potential role a spiritual director or spiritual companion. And again, going back to the life group thing, I think that's where that can come in. Um, I know I've had a couple of seasons in my life where I've sought an outside spiritual director that have been incredibly valuable mm-hmm. for me, that that there's somebody who's helping me think about my soul and helping me think differently about my connection with God. And, yeah. and uh, so I think about that role. Um, we talked this past week about encouragement, Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's good to have an encourager on your board of directors. I also think it's important to have a truth teller. So you know the encour you know there's that passage that says that you know Jesus was filled with grace and truth. Yes. So you need to have the grace people and the encouragement people, yeah. and you need to have some truth people who are not gonna, you know, be not convinced beat around the your, bush. <laughs> but <by>, yeah, <laughs> by your bull, um, a prayer warrior I think is another you know a potential role. And then um, the last one, I was trying to put words to this, and I think this is the right way to say It's it just a life stage expert. So, um, you know, when you first get married, yes, it's good to find another mm. couple who's married that you look up to, and I, I we've we've done this throughout our lives of going whatever stage we're in of going let's find a couple people who we think are really good at this Mm -hmm. and just like get around them Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as we can. Invite them to dinner, invite them to be part of our lives. So anyway, I think about about those roles, a mentor, a sponsor, a spiritual director, encourager, truth teller, prayer warrior, and life stage expert. Um, And and I I just want to kind of wrap up by giving a little bit of practical advice around this. Um, I listed off that big list of roles and I think the first piece of advice I would give is you don't need all those roles all at the same time. So like, I don't want people to hear this and be like under stress of like, oh my gosh, I have to go out and find nine people to, you know. But but I do think it, 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 it can be a spark for somebody if you need one of those roles right now and you're like, oh man, coming out of COVID, I, I need an encourager. I need somebody who thinks the best of me yeah. and schedule a lunch with that person and and just say, I need you to to tell me what you're seeing in my life right Mm -hmm. now and invite that. Um, So that would be the first thing, is that you don't need all these roles all the time. Uh, The second piece of advice I'd give is that, you know, to find people who love you but aren't impressed by you. And I've said this before. We've talked about this before. But, you know, I think that that's the right kind of person. You don't want somebody who's like, first of all, all negative, And you also don't oh, know somebody right. who's all positive, who mm-hmm. just, you know, thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> um, I think another piece of advice would be that, that these people can be near or far. And so sometimes, uh, some of my advisors, for example, are people I've never met, mm-hmm. but there are certain people that I know I want to read their, their book at a certain time because right. I know they're going to have a specific voice into my life. Um, and by the way a little side comment on that there was one of those people who was a farm mentor to me that i decided to pick up the phone and call one day just, of, just for giggles and they answered whoa <laughs> i got their assistant or whatever and i'm like hey is this person there they're like yeah just a minute <laughs>
0: what What? was it Bob Goff because he says he always answers his phone I
1: I heard he does that it was not but it was Larry Osborne I don't know if you know that name yeah yeah who's just uh who's been a mentor from afar for me for a long time and I he wrote a book about it was called Sticky Teams it was Uh the book about Uh like elder boards and stuff like that and I had a question about our elder board at the time I'm like I'm gonna call Larry Osborne wow he talked to me for 20 minutes it was great
0: wow way to be brave I know yeah
1: Yeah, yeah I tried it um, uh, the other thing I would say with these people piece of advice is to give them proper information and permission to ask questions. Um, so like if you invite somebody into your life to be on this personal board of directors, you're sharing leadership. One of the things that you're going to need to do is just go here. I'm giving you permission to mm. tell me the truth. And the, the the last thing and I'll move to the last thing is give them some questions to ask you. Um, and, you know, I think about helpful questions like, where you go to that person and say whenever we get together, regardless of what else we talk about, I want you to ask me always about this. And you know, I just put down some sample questions like, you know, are you dating your spouse right now? You know, or how how's your are you romancing are you romancing your spouse? <laughs> um, what is God saying to you through His Word? What are you reading right now? Are you stewarding your finances wisely? How is your eating and exercise? Uh, what's the next step in your career? Do you have any unrealized dreams that need to come out? What are you afraid of and haven't told anybody? Uh, what are you doing to fill your emotional and spiritual bucket? Uh, who did you share your faith with this week? So, that, I mean, it just that's a sampling of a variety of questions that uh, you can give somebody permission to ask you. But I think this idea of shared leadership um, can apply not just in the church, but in our individual lives.
0: Can I ask a follow-up question? I would love for you to. So I'm thinking about the person because, I mean, I know you well enough to know that you are a humble man in a large position, but you are willing to invite people in. You're willing to, you know, but I think of two different kinds of people who might be listening. The one who's like, I got it all together. I don't need anybody telling me I, I can handle this or the person who thinks they should be able to handle it and therefore feel too ashamed or afraid to find and ask and identify some of those people. So, what would you say?
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say to the proud person first, you were very nice, but I would call them a proud person yeah. who thinks they have it all together. <laughs> yes. Um, that you have no idea how desperately you need somebody in your life until you fall. Yeah. And to not wait until you're in the moment of desperation. And it's like, I, I just look in my field. I know mm-hmm. every field has these things, but I just look at pastors who do dumb things and who've been had their whole careers taken away from them. Yeah. And it was because of this, because they were like, I don't need anybody. I have it all together. And they probably preached the very things I'm saying yep. to other people and didn't apply it to didn't themselves. Practice. And it, you will fall. Yeah. Um, And I I just think we have enough examples to see that 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 you will fall if that happens. Um, And then to the person who feels the pressure of having it all together um, and is too afraid to ask, um, I think there's a common humanity among us that understands um, and, and, and everybody puts on their best faces, but. When somebody comes, when, when, if you would have the guts to go to somebody and open up and say, I need help in this area, in your mind you've made up a story that says that person's going to think I'm stupid, that yeah. person's going to look down on me, that person's going to think, they're not. I, I have ne- I have never been in a situation, um, and people because just because of my position, people will be afraid to tell me things or whatever. It's like we are all human, yeah. <laughs> and we all get it. <laughs> And, uh, I would just say that whole, that whole mask thing of thinking that I need to put on this mask Mm -hmm. and have it all together is we all understand that that's not real. Right. And, and if we can just break through that and help each other, um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. You have a little, uh, you have some groups that you meet with regularly to just tell, tell. Tell people how that fills your bucket or what some of the positive things that have come out of that. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, when I first started coming to Grace and realized I needed a life group or wanted to be in a life group and took the hesitant step toward that and wound up with a group of young women who are now, a lot of them, still my closest friends, I didn't realize, just like you're saying, I didn't realize how dry, how desperate, I was until suddenly it was like, you get that little taste of water and you're just like, oh my gosh, just, I want to suck it in. And so then it's just from there, I was like, I, I have to, I need, I'm an introvert by nature and I need people. Um, And so there's always this little bit of a push pull (laughs) and different seasons in life. I get it. Uh, But I'm committed to what you're saying. I need to share my life. I need to invite people in. I need to get better at saying things out loud about what's on the inside um, and allowing people to speak because sometimes what's on the inside is just lies that I've let build up stories that I've been telling. And I need somebody to hear those so that they can speak the truth, yeah. um, back in. And, and for me, I'm that person who feels like, oh, I should have it all together. I read the word of God every day. I'm talking to Jesus every day. Um, but there's that constant reminder in the sermon series that yeah. we are better together. Like there is a reason and I'm not supposed to just figure it all out by myself. I can't. No. Oh, bummer.
1: God, yeah, (laughs) but God created us for this. Yeah, you know, and I mean, it He created us that His word alone, His word is best when worked out in community. Yeah, you know, so to think that me, God, and my Bible will solve it all, it, it sounds pious. It's actually not biblical.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's incredible. And I like you ask, and I'm as you titled all of these: the mentor, sponsor, spiritual director. I've had all of these at some point. You know, in yep. in my life, and maybe all at the same time, yeah, sure, that's <laughs> great seasons, if you can couple seasons of needing them all, but yeah, yeah, yeah and I am absolutely better for it, for sure, for yeah. sure, yeah, so this has been great. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and for letting me uh uh step in for John while he's on vacation. maybe he should take a second week of vacation i'll be yeah, this I'll is be great. back next week. <laughs>
1: Your voice is more melodic. Oh, well, thank you,
0: thank you, thank you. Hey, everybody, we hope that you were encouraged today. We hope that uh, something that was said just would help you take that step to maybe reaching out to that person um, in your life who could be a mentor or who could be uh, that life stage expert for you. So um, if you liked what you heard today, we encourage you to go ahead and review, share this with somebody else that you think might need to hear it, but like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with what's going on. Uh, And you can find out more information about Grace Church at whoisgrace.com. So until next time... It's good to talk to you, Derek.